0: ready, our thoughts ready. At the end of the day, Father, you will speak, and you will speak with truth and with love. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say. Amen. Awesome. Okay, so we, last week I talked to you guys about God's desire. I really just want to continue that message. It is a part two. This is not a series. This will be it right here. But last week I, I just simply talked to you guys about God's desire. RLCholland.com if you missed it. Click on messages and you can catch up on either on the audio or the video. But last week when I had talked to you guys, I talked about God's desire for our lives and the plan that he has for our life. Now we've heard this before. God has a plan for you. You're here with a purpose. But sometimes those words can come in one ear and then out the other because we simply don't understand. We don't get it. You know, and a lot of times we measure it with how our life is going. Well, we're having some good times or we're not having so good times. We measure, well, my childhood, was it good or was it bad or what I'm going through right now. But God's saying this, I have a desire for your life if you surrender your life to me. What stops us from God's desire in our lives? Are are you ready for this, church? What stops us from God's desires being activated in our lives is our personal desire. Not people, not even the devil, (laughs) because the devil has no power over us in the name of Jesus. It is our desire that we want, that we're comfortable with, that stops us from the desire that God has for our lives. For instance, we can take scripture out of content sometimes. God gives us the Bible says, God gives us our hearts, our desires that all our heart has and is full of. I get that." But then they'll say, "So I want to be rich. I want to hit that lotto. I want to guess this number, or whatever it might be." And I think that's just a, a, a statement or a, a, an answer that's said with, with ignorance, in the in a nice possible way, with ignorance, because we simply just don't know. That's why. Well what God is saying in that scripture is this: "When you surrender your life to me, and you say, "God my plans, My desires are are, are not what I'm living for. It's your desire, your plans. What happens is God drops what he has for you in your own heart, and then when you pray those things out, he hands them to you. If I could put, uh, I guess, a testimony to it, I did not know I was going to lead a church one day. I never had that desire My desire was to go to the military and and, and, and to fly fly these jets and and, and serve in the Air Force. But what ends up happening is God intervenes and shows me a plan that he has for my life. So I decide, okay, not to take that journey. I'll take this journey. Long story short, one day, about three years ago, God puts in my heart, because I surrendered my life, God puts in my heart, I want to lead a church one day. And I'm thinking, well, if I do that... That'll probably be 10 years from now because there's no way I'm ready for that. But the desire was put in my heart. That wasn't my desire because even when I thought about it, I kind of got a little afraid, scared, is what I'm trying to say. But I knew it was there and it was burning in me. Fast forward, I'm here today because God has put that desire. And when I finally surrendered and said, okay, God, it's your will, your plan, your desire in my life, God started giving me steps. Get to this point, and I'm still not done. There's still more to come. There are still things that God's dropping in my heart. And God's desire for your life is the same. It might be a different type of calling or a purpose, but God's going to put something in your heart, which is His desire, what He created you for. If you surrender your desires away and say, Okay, God, what do you want me to do? You know, sometimes we can limit God as well too. God, I surrender my life. I'll go anywhere you want me to go, God, if it's in Michigan only, like right here. Like if I can drive to my parents' house and within 30 minutes. Like, and like. But anywhere, anywhere, God, there's so many towns. There's even a hell in Michigan. I'll go to hell for you, God. Like I'll go there to minister to the word of God. And we limit, we limit God because that's our desire is to not be away from everybody. And God's saying, Look, true surrender is saying you'll do anything for me. True surrender is saying you trust me that I will give you everything you need. True surrender is saying no to me and yes to you. And that is God's desire. And so, again, the biggest thing that I was talking about was being a witness for Jesus. Now, those are all callings and great purposes that we have on earth. But the bottom line, the common denominator for everyone here on this place and, and on the purpose that God created us was to be a witness for Jesus Christ, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, to live for Jesus through your actions so people can have an opportunity to come to him too. And when we follow through with his desire for us to simply be witnesses, Okay, and saying, I'm going to speak about Jesus, or I'm going to, I know an answer, so I'm going I'm to help them out of just maybe showing them this quick scripture, or let me pray for them. Because let me tell you something, I, even the other day, I, I heard somebody say, my thumb hurts, and I was like, oh, let me pray for them. But the, naturally, I'm like, man, I, I don't even know who they are, and your, your gut starts turning, you're like, am I going to look funny, am I going to look weird? I was battling that three days ago, and it's just a simple prayer for a thumb. And I'm even like, okay, God, if you want me to do this, show me a sign, like something, you know. And I see her thumb going, ah, you know, and I'm like, okay, that's not the sign I'm asking for. Something else, God. You know, we, we, we negotiate or we talk to God that way when, God, when we're declaring on a Sunday, God, we'll do anything for you. We'll do anything for you. You know, and so we need to learn to allow God's desire for our lives to come into our hearts so we can get excited about it and we can see God work. A lot of our prayers as well, too, is we're, we're looking for God to answer, to give us the answers to our prayers the way we want it to be answered, not the way he wants it to be answered. And this is where we kind of miss it as well, too. So, again, this whole play, and I'm going to wrap this whole thing, this two, these two messages, I'm going to wrap it up with the on of God's desire for our lives. How many of y'all know this is a big week? Okay? And if you don't know what I'm going to talk about, uh, let, me, let me educate you just really quick. Today is Palm Sunday. Okay, if you haven't heard of Palm Sunday, you can go to the Book of Matthew. Even uh, read the first eleven verses in chapter twenty-one. It's all in the Gospels, but Matthew twenty-one, the first eleven verses, actually talks about Palm Sunday and why and how it was pretty much was created. And Palm Sunday is a day that we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. This is the part in the movie, because we've probably seen the movie, this is the part of the movie where he's riding the donkey and everyone has the, the, the palm branches and they're yelling out, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, hallelujah, praise our new king. You guys know what I'm talking about now? This is the day, this is Palm Sunday, this is the day that we celebrate where Jesus is a triumphal victory. His, his, his uh, entrance going into Jerusalem is happening right now. And it's going to lead into his journey In other words, this is it. This is the beginning of the journey to the cross and resurrection. Now, the people don't know that yet because, you know, you go down the road, you hear crucify, crucify. They don't quite understand yet. Okay. But reality is this is the beginning of his journey, end of his life, but the beginning of his journey to the cross, the grave, and then the resurrection. And then the ascension on the right hand. And so this is a big week because a lot of times you see people uh, coming to church around this Sunday, this, uh, this time of the season. And, you know, they, they do it out of tradition and out of reverence and respect to God. But our purpose is to make sure they have an established relationship with God. See, it, it, the thing is, Jesus wants us to be a witness not just today, uh, but all year round, but he wants us to continue to just do something. And I think we have a great opportunity starting today, leading to Easter Sunday, where we can definitely be a witness for Jesus. You know, this Friday is Good Friday. You guys heard of Good Friday? Good Friday wasn't good for him on that time. And it's the day where he went to the cross and gave his life for, uh, for, for all men. Which, by the way, this Friday, marketing calendars, this Friday is a night of worship at 7 p.m. here. Come, English or Spanish, come and worship with us. We'll have child care for three and under. But Good Friday really marks the day when wrath and mercy met at the cross. You have the wrath of God and you have the mercy of God. And it took one son of God to bring them together. So he... Can do the swap and say i'll take the wrath while they take the mercy and that's why we call it good friday you know that that night of worship is really gonna be a time of intimacy with god where we can just declare god's name i know sometimes we're like well should we celebrate by wearing these sackcloths and being sad for the day no that 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 time's over god says you he's made everything brand new in christ we can remember what he did but he says i did it so you can have a good friday so you can have a good Friday. You thought Friday was already good on its own. Let Put Jesus in the mix. It's a really, really good Friday. But like I was saying earlier today during worship time, I was talking about the vision I had of the cross. And I could see Jesus' feet. And I could see the blood dripping down. And that's when I realized. I realized that that moment that there was an intersection that Jesus Christ created for us. There was an intersection. A way where heaven crossed over earth, and it created a cross. And that intersection was an access for us. Have you ever gone driving? You're completely lost. You don't know where you're going. You're looking for this one street okay, if you're married, you're probably arguing about it within the car, but you're looking for this one street, and then you finally see the sign where it says, you know, uh, Elm Street or whatever it is, because you're looking for it, and you're like, ha, I knew exactly where I was going the whole time, right, and then you take the turn, and you have an access to where you're trying to get, you guys know what I'm talking about, or am I alone on that one, (laughs) think about that feeling, think about that feeling that you have men, okay, let's think about that feeling that we have, when we're like, we knew we were going the whole time, but reality was we didn't. We did it. My wife's watching right now. She's like, ha, knew it. (laughs) But you think about that feeling that we have when we found our destination, especially when you were lost for a little while. Just a little bit. Might have been 30 minutes. Might have been two hours. Some all day. But the moment that lost feeling is gone because you found the intersection you were looking for, man, woo, we're there. Woo, all that's gone. And you can, hey, family, how's it going? You know, that whole deal. Imagine mankind feeling lost in the dark, not knowing where they're going in life, and they see this cross and this, and, and on the hills of Calvary, and they see the Savior hanging there, knowing there's a purpose. They see the intersection of heaven and earth, and they decide, I'm going to take that way. And when they get there, woo! We we're here. Awesome. There's salvation now. That is the purpose of the cross. That's what we celebrate on the cross, and that's why Jesus went to the cross. Remember in the scripture, Jesus said, before Jesus said, it is finished, Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Before Jesus dropped the head and said, It is finished, and it gave his spirit to the Lord, right before he did that, he said, Lord, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You could see the purpose and the heart of a Savior. What he was doing was he was activating a will in our lives so we can inherit the kingdom of God. We can inherit good health. We can inherit an abundant life according to Scripture and what He says. We can inherit the promised Holy Spirit, is what the Scripture is saying. But understand for a will to be activated requires a death. Think about it. If you are in a will of a parent, a grandparent, or whatever, you can't inherit any of that stuff until death happens in their lives. I mean, if you try to inherit it beforehand, you're stealing. You're stealing. You're stealing. But for a will to be activated, and so you can inherit maybe the house or the car or the money or, or whatever, you know, you know the, the, the tea kettle or whatever you like, the, the grandfather clock. For, you, for that to be activated, there needs to be a death. And Jesus knew that. And he says, look, I'm going to do something that I have so they can inherit, but I'm going to conquer this death thing. And so he willingly walked and went to death. So the will was activated, and now we have the opportunity to inherit the will, the kingdom of God. And not only that, he triumphed over that, which then we, t- we celebrate Easter Sunday. All of this was Jesus died, was not in vain, but it was with a purpose. When you look at Romans chapter 3, verse 26, it says this, he did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith. In Jesus, notice, he did it to demonstrate. That scripture alone, back, backed up by many scriptures, that scripture alone shows that God is a demonstrating God. God doesn't just speak things when he, into existence, but he also walks it out with us. Now, we can look at Genesis and we can see where he spoke every to, everything into existence. But not only that, he came in the flesh form and he walked with us. Because he is a God who demonstrates in our life. God's desire, this is the whole message right here. And I think really after this I can wrap it all up, but I'm not. But God's desire is for us to demonstrate him on earth. That is it. God wants us to demonstrate his power, his love, his glory to people here on earth so they can have an opportunity to come. And like I was saying, Easter Sunday is around the corner. One of the big Sundays, tradition-wise, one of the big Sundays where people come to church. And I believe God has opened us a perfect opportunity for us to be a light or a witness for him. You see, he represents us in heaven while we represent him on earth. But if we're ashamed of him on earth, scripture says he doesn't fly with that. And he wants us to go and just give us our whole heart. Sometimes we're so in tune on our performance and how we do it, we don't have the right words, how to speak. You know, I was freed up one time when I read in the first Corinthians where the Apostle Paul says, hey, I don't come with you with elegant speech and persuasive words, but I come to just demonstrate the Holy Spirit. You know what Paul just said? My speech and my grammar is not the best. I I don't do this for a living, but I only do it because I want to demonstrate God's power in people's lives. And when I read that one scripture, that gave me the the, uh, encouragement to step on platform and say, hey, let me just share the Father's heart to you guys just for a little bit. Just for a little bit. Because I know God just wants me to demonstrate. God is going to set a platform for you you guys. Not necessarily maybe like this, but a platform maybe at work, maybe with family or friends. And he doesn't want you to be concerned of what your prayer sounds like or can I even pray. He's not concerned about that. He's not concerned about your performance or how you look. I was just talking to someone earlier today and we were talking about clothes and he was saying, well, you know, it was dirty. I didn't know what to wear. But then he realized, whoa. Well, I don't think God cares on how I wear it or what I wear as long as my heart is right. And I told him, as long as you just cover up, that's it, bro. That's all I care about, you know. But <laughs> and he just laughed. At it was a total joke, guys. Total joke. I know it's still early in the morning. <laughs> but here, here, here's the thing. God wants us to simply demonstrate who he is by loving people, by talking to them, by not reacting but acting with intentions in people's lives, and people's hearts. God has given us so many people and opportunities for us to do so. Think about it for a second. Let's let's all close our eyes for one second. Close your eyes for a second. Think about that one person that annoys you. That one person, maybe it's an uncle, I don't know. But that one person that's in your life that you're like, you know what, I I think I'm going to lose my salvation. I'm going to come over here to this room over here and be, be at a distance from them for a little bit. Think about that person for a second, okay? And you're like, oh, Right? You have that feeling. Now open your eyes. God put them in your life for a reason. He says that's the person I want you to be a light to. That's the person that's not getting treated well that I want you to act in my love so they know I have. A, there's a father that loves them as well too. Think about it for a second. Think about it for a second. You're like, oh, why did I close my eyes? like... <laughs> Truth has been given to you guys. God puts these opportunities, God puts these opportunities in our lives of these people that don't know Christ, he's put them there so we can have an intersection with them, so we can share the gospel, so we can be a witness by simply saying, hey, how you doing? How, how's life going? It can look as simple as that. Or it could be, I have a question. Okay, let's let's research it together. Or I don't know, but let let me pray for you intentions. Because Jesus was intentional with you and with me. He was very intentional. You know, God's, God's desire, God's purpose is, is that our hearts alone, that our heart is restored and reconciled to him, that all mankind will come to God. I, you know, I, I y'all know I went to went to Bible school, and I said y'all because it was in the South, but, you know, you guys know I went to went to Bible school uh, back in 2000, um, man, 2006, 7, and 8. I was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I went to Bible school, and I went through these teachings, these classes. I learned a lot, but I pulled out, pulled out my um, teachings from way back when, and I, I even had the cassette tapes. That's just how you know, ancient this thing is right now. But, but here's the thing. I had these cassette tapes and their DVDs and all that, and I was listening to some teachings and just refreshing myself. And I love what the instructor reminded me. I love what she said. She had said, when you look at the Old Testament, okay, and you see how they conquered land and, and, you know, they were fighting in the name of the Lord. You think about Joshua and you think about Moses lifting the staff with with Aaron and Ur holding their arms up. You know, the focus is on that, but you really don't see Joshua over here. You see see Joshua really battling and leading the army into victory. You, you You see all these other Israelites when they're in battle, they're claiming land and they're claiming territory all in the Old Testament. And I love how she acknowledged this. She had said, that hasn't stopped. You see, today it's not physical land that we fight for. It's the land and the ground that God's fighting for and wants us to fight for is people's hearts. That's the land, that's the territory he wants us to claim for the kingdom of God. Because the desire of a father is to to reconcile and to restore our hearts to him. He wants restoration with us. But restoration means his way and his way only. No compromising. We don't need a God that just wants to compromise with us because then we create our own faith. And how we think by comfort and how we see things. But God's saying true faith is believing my word, taking it to action so you can live it out, so I can use you for the kingdom of God. That is the desire of a father, but the choice is on us people. Will we receive that? Will we accept what God wants, or will we reject it? This ain't a temporal deal. This is an eternal deal, eternity with God or eternity away from God. That's what's at stake right now. And Jesus says, I need you to be a witness for me so they can come to the kingdom of God. And we cannot allow, well, I just am comfortable talking about this stuff. Or I don't want to offend them in this. We can't let those barriers stop us. We can't let those barriers stop us to continue to be a witness. That's God's desire for heart because he cares for the believer, for the person's heart. This whole thing is a heart issue. It's a heart issue. That's what it is. God wants the person's heart to be restored and healed by him. You know, it's an outward thing, though, that, that, that we battle with, but it's an inward impact that happens in our lives. And I really wanted to talk about three different ways that we can prepare ourselves in heart to reach other hearts as well, too. Can I share three of them with you guys? Is that okay? Just three? Okay. So when you think about uh, God's desire and how he wants us to be witnesses and, and to, to claim and to, to get ready to just be witnesses, we have to understand we have to prepare ourselves as well, too, for these battles that we face. You know, the victory is ours already, but let me tell you something. There is a world, a dark world, that's not walking in victory right now. They're walking in depression. They're walking with suicidal thoughts. They're walking with confusion. They feel foggy. They feel cloudy. They don't know where they're going in life. They're doubting these things. They're broken millions of pieces. They're hurt. There's open wounds that are still bleeding in their hearts. Do you see why we have a mission do you see why I say don't get comfortable here on a Sunday? This is just our huddle because game time the moment you walk out. And then we reestablish in the huddle and say, okay, this is what we're doing. Break and let's go. Because we're all aiming for the same goal, so we can have a touchdown in someone's life. A touchdown. We have to be passionate about his word. We have to be passionate about what God is doing in our lives. And not too comfortable He'll bless you in the process. But don't live for that comfort because Jesus says, I don't have a home here. My home is the kingdom of God. And, and Ephesians 5, what says, imitate that. Imitate your heavenly father. He's looking at marriages. He's looking at how you parent. He's looking at how you treat your relatives and your friends, your coworkers. Come on, it's hard. Your coworkers. Let's get real for a second. Jesus is saying, I need you in all those arenas to live for me. And when you do that, it's not easy, he's saying. And it is a battle. But when you do with your genuine heart, I'm in the mix of the whole thing. So he wants us to prepare. And I'm going to share three ways that we can prepare. And some of this is very like, oh, duh, Jesse. But we don't practice it as much. And that's why I repeat these things. Because we need refreshers. We thought the repetitive thing only worked for kindergartners and, and preschoolers. No, we all need to hear it. We all need to make sure that we're repetitively getting into these teachings and these principles and the way he wants us to live. And right now I'm going to give you three for the heart. And the first one is you prepare your heart in God's word. That's like the most important thing is prepare your heart in God's word. His word, his scriptures, his Bible are his ways. And it's ways for us to instruct and make it applicable for our lives so we can be an impact. We all don't have answers, correct, for everything, do we? If you do, meet me after here, because I want to talk to you for a little bit, okay? Then I'm going to pray for you. We all don't have the answers for everything, but God can give us instructions on how to do it. Isaiah talks about he'll give you a little here, a little there, and portions. The Apostle Paul teaches how it's, it's infant milk, then it's spiritual, uh, infant spiritual milk, but then it's a spiritual meat that you grow into to digest. But it all, common denominator, it all is about getting in God's word, how he does it. Don't let excuses come up as well either. Well, I don't quite understand. I don't get it, so it's hard. It's complicated. No, it's not. You're making it complicated. You're trying to understand it with your head when you're supposed to be understanding it with your heart. And when you do that, church, you fill your heart. You do so much to your heart that you're preparing yourself to be that witness for Jesus Christ. In James chapter one. Uh, 19 through 21 it says this my dear brothers and sisters take note of this I love that how he says it take note of this who has a pen in their hand raise it up okay who has a phone raise it up we can all take okay who has a photographic mind okay we got a couple you guys all right so take take note of this is what he says in other words pay attention and remember this okay everyone should be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry because, a human, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We're talking about God's desire, right? Human anger doesn't produce God's desire, and he wants a desire for you guys, okay? 21, therefore get rid of all moral filth and of the evil, and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept. Humbly accept. In other words, it's in your hands. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. There are four attitudes the scripture just says we should have when it comes to his word and getting our hearts ready. And the first one is this, you must be quiet. Be quiet in his word so you can hear God's voice when he speaks. Be quiet. Number two, you have to be calm. Don't rush God because God's timing is perfect in how he does things. Number three, you must be true. Let him know I've messed up. I've fallen short, and in other words, confess your sins and struggles to God, not Facebook, to God, not these group of people because I just want to talk, but confess these struggles. Confess your sins to God because he's ready to give you the mercy that he was wanting to give you, a desire that God has for your life. And the third attitude is you need to be Humble. Be ready to do what God's word tells you to do. Get ready to apply what you read into your lives, those teachings. Like I said, the human heart is the ground that God wants us to till, that God wants us to work and to labor in, in a sense. You know those times where like, oh, I'm just a little tired or I don't have time. I try, I care so much, but I don't have time. Reality is you, you don't care is what it is to the point of he's priority in my life. Because I know God had time for me in his life when he walked this earth. This is just encouragement of getting in his word. Remember, prepare your heart in God's word so you can be armed up, you can be suited, and you can be ready to help lead somebody to come to Jesus Christ. Number two, prepare your heart through worship. Everyone would say, through worship. You know, Psalms one hundred one and 2 says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. That's all of us, okay? Verse 2, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. With joyful songs. We do that every Sunday morning when we're here, right? We do that. But I don't want you to limit God only to a Sunday morning worship, okay? He wants you to worship him every day. He wants you to worship him not just in song, and I don't want you to limit, limit to that because this is great, but true worship is just love being expressed to God. God wants you to worship him every day of the week. And does that mean you're on the line and you're working and you're singing to the top of your lungs, oh, hallelujah, you know, on that whole thing while you're neglecting what you're doing and neglecting the fellowship with God? No, I don't think God means it that way. But what I do mean is, again, the heart, the heart, the heart, I believe he's wanting you to worship with your heart. Because check this out. In uh, the book of John chapter 4, verse 23 and 24, it says this. John says it this way. He says, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. I'll say that one more time. They are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. In other words, he's watching. And he's seeing what is the motive of your worship. Are you doing it because everyone's watching you and, you know what, I'm going to lift my hands just because everyone else is lifting my hands and they'll leave me alone the rest of the week? Or am I really surrendering and saying, God, this is just an act of surrender. I love you. I'm thankful. I don't always have to come with my requests in life. I just thank you for the needs you've provided already. We'll talk about that stuff later, God. But let me just, let me just give you some worship right now. And I want to thank you for being my Lord and Savior. I want to thank you, Father God. You know, when you, did you know when you give and you honor his word with your finances, you're worshiping? Did you know, husbands, when you, when you treat your wife, your spouse, when you partner with God and you realize she is my flower and God, how am I going to make her blossom today? Did you know you're worshiping your God? Wives, did you know when you partner with God and how you should react and act towards your husband, you're worshiping God? Do you know when you discipline your kids accordingly, when they need correction, not out in anger, but when they need correction, because I want to train them up in the way that they should go, you're worshiping God? Did you know when you're laughing or you're, you're crying or you're, you're embracing someone that needs an embracement for the moment, you're worshiping God? doesn't always require song. Song is great. These guys are phenomenal when they lead this worship. But they're creating an atmosphere and they're ushering us to the presence of God so we can continue that as we go on in the weekdays. Worship is what God wants to do. And he says, I need, I am looking for true worshipers so they can can continue to do my will and the desires in my life. Don't rob God with his worship throughout the week. Don't come in here, and it's just a Sunday, and then I don't worship you. Okay, see you next Sunday. That is dating God. God wants a marriage covenant with you. I want to see you every morning. I want to see you every night. I want to have a conversation with you. God says, that's my vow to you. Please come commit back to me. You're getting the heart ready so you can do God's desire here on earth. And the last one is this, and I'll close it with this. Prepare your heart to stir others up. Prepare your heart to stir others up. In other words, get ready. God's going to use you. God's going to use your words, your actions, how you do things. Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says this, and let us consider how. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not just to love people, but to, to stir them up so they can do the work of the Lord here on earth. I mean, it is so easy to motivate a child or so easy to motivate someone when it comes to the sports where you got it, you're good, you're awesome. And sometimes we can go a little extreme and lie to them and say, you're the best in the whole wide world, right? But they get that. They receive that. And they go up there, and they have the lip going up, and they're ready, and they hit the ball off the tee, and it's like it goes up and down. But to them, it was a grand slam. Whoa, they're throwing the bat everywhere, throwing their hats. They're celebrating. And that's unearthly. An Stir up. Imagine an eternal stir up. A stir up that just gets the waves and, and, and all that in our hearts to just go everywhere and saying, God, I'm ready to do what you want me to do. I'm not going to allow my boss to dictate how I act to other people. I'm going to choose not to talk about him while everyone is. And I'm so tempted and I'm ready to throw my two cents. in. I'm going to just choose to stay away from this line and love them and serve and love him too as well too. But I'm going to just stay over here and be as close as I can to you, God. I'm not rejecting them. I just choose not to fall into that. I want to stir myself up. So when it's time, God, I can stir them up as well too. I can stir them up as well too. God has a desire for our lives Maybe it's maybe it's a marriage, I don't know God, they're not treating me fairly It's hard, I love them But I hate them at the same time I don't know why we have to go through this Why, why, why I want to just throw something at them I just want to give up, I want to quit I'm done But God, can I just stay close to you And I will honor what your word says I will continue to represent you in the kingdom of God Because this is not an earthly thing This is an eternal thing, and I'm going to pray for this situation, but I'm going to pray for their heart and stir me up so I can at least stir them up too. There are so many, so many opportunities for us to not stir one another up. But that means there are so many, so many opportunities for us to stir somebody up. Let God digest in you. Let God marinate and you chew this for a second. Chew, chew these words that God's given us right now. Because when you chew on them and you let it just take the nutrients in, into your soul and into your mind and into your heart, it becomes who you are. It grows you spiritually. This is not an easy world. And God knows that. Actually, God said, I, I guarantee you trouble." It's going to happen, he says. We're going to be confused sometimes. We're going to not understand why, why, why. But God says, take heart. I have overcome the world. Take heart. It's about kingdom. And even though you see a slice, I see the whole pie. And if you trust me and you stick with me, I promise you, God says, I promise you, (laughs) you'll make it through. You will make it through with the power of God in your hands. I will split the seas before you so you can walk on dry ground. I will knock down those walls when you shout your praises to me. <laughs> I will be sure that whatever giant you face, you have the ability to cut the head off and conquer over it. I am for you. Who can be against you? No one. Let me say it one more time Hebrews 10:24 and 25 and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works verse 25 not neglecting to meet together as it is habit as is this the habit of some sorry but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near how you treat others with your words and with your hands has a direct impact in your heart don't veer off because your heart is something you should follow. Your heart is something you should lead. So God can be the impact in your life. Let's close our eyes and bow our heads. My, my prayer, my belief is that you're, you're chewing and digesting what God just gave us. We're all different, we're all unique, and we all have our different circumstances. But here's the dear at the end of the day, God is king. God is Lord. And yeah, we can ask him to be our savior, but we have to allow him to be Lord for the rest of our lives. That means your way and how you want me to do it, not my way. If you want to give your life to Jesus because you never really had that established, I want to give you an opportunity. Or maybe I, you want to recommit your life to Jesus. Says, You know what, Jesus, I've, I go to church, I do this, I understand that, I read my Bible, but I really am not letting you lord my life. I believe that every chain that we feel like we're bondage to, every mindset that we have in a minute, all those chains are going to be broken because of power in the name of Jesus Christ. And not only that, God says, I'm not done. The moment you give your life to Jesus, I'm going to put something in you that's really good. and It's my spirit. And when I put my spirit in you, I am walking with you everywhere you go. I'm not just watching over you. I'm in you now. I am in you to be a light to your feet so you can walk on a straight path. So if that is you on any of those invites, if that is you on the count of three, with boldness and no shame, you're going to shoot your hand up and say, pray for me, Jesse, okay? One, two, three. God bless you, God bless you, God bless all you guys. There's a lot of hands here. God bless you guys. You guys can put your hands down. Divine appointment. Everyone say, divine appointment. (laughs) Jesus is the cure to our hearts. There's a lot of people that put their hands up. Let's go ahead and put our hand over our heart. We're going to do this as a church family, and we're going to do this together. It's like we're walking together and ushering everybody into the kingdom of the family of God. Everyone will repeat after me? Say, God, thank you. Thank you for being with me. and Giving me an opportunity to hear your word. Lord, I'm sorry for all the wrongs I've committed. Forgive me. And by faith, I receive your forgiveness. Make a home in me. Put your spirit in me. Lead my life forever. You're not just Savior. You are now Lord. Your way, not my way. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all shout out and celebrate by saying... Amen and amen. The best decision you could possibly make in your life. couple of instructions. Number one, if you made that decision.